This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111, Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. It is the 19th of October. President Trump has been for months talking about a revamp of the U.S. tax code. He has been saying that many Americans will be seeing a massive tax break. Like th- like many things in Washington, this political football has had its doubters as well. Several economists wonder how these cuts will not hurt the economy and add to the deficit. To take a look at the potential of a Republican tax reform plan, we are joined by James Hines, Jr., who's co-director of the Law and Economics Program at the University of Michigan. He also serves as the research director for the Office of Tax Policy at the university as well. Jim, great to have you back with us today. Thanks, Dan. Uh, So what's been your reaction to as this played out? And and mind you, and, and obviously a lot of people, that we're still waiting for all of kind of the details to be filled in at this point. Yeah, rather. Uh, And, of course, Congress has its own mind about how the course of tax reform, even if if they had been presented with a fully fleshed out plan, Congress would change it because that's what Congress does. You know, they have their own ideas and different members of Congress have their own ideas. So we don't know exactly uh, what, you know, might or might not shake out from all of this. And until you know, yeah. it's you know a little bit you're speculating about what the likely effects would be. So it's it's hard even for you to kind of get a gauge on kind of some of the things that have been put out in the media like, you know, the potential of of on the corporate side going to to 20% on the tax rate or this bracketing on the individual side of taking from 7 down to 4 brackets and how that will all impact things. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, even the framework that was released said three brackets, but then yeah. and but then they hint about maybe a fourth. Right. Uh, so we don't know exactly. And and again, even if it had been completely laid out in full detail, the odds that that would actually be the thing that Congress would pass, you know, right. would be close to vanishing because, of course, it's going to wind up changed through the process. But as you kind of allude to there, uh, tax reform, when you look at it as an entity, I mean, the last one, you know, was some 32, 33 years ago. And and a lot of people believe that it is time for a a, some sort of new plan, new reform out there. Where do you stand on that? You know, uh, it's true. The last big reform was the 1986 tax change. And, um, People have gotten a little bit uh, romantic when they okay. about 1986, in that there were certainly some positive things that the 86 Act did. It wasn't all milk and honey, and there was a lot of stuff that 86 did that wasn't great and had to be corrected afterwards. Um, so, to some degree, we think about the 1986 tax reform. Uh, a little more grandly than we probably should. I mean, part of the reason people are uh, fond of the 86 change was because you did have Democrats and Republicans working together. Right. uh, And that was a really nice feature of it. And the 86 Act got rid of some stuff that was in the income tax that, that certainly needed to be gotten rid of. But it also introduced other things and that were not great. And frankly, it was, it wound up 
Uh, it wasn't intended this way, but it wound up a big tax cut. And so the country started running, you know, really large deficits afterwards. Right. That's why you had to have a tax increase in 1990 uh, when George Bush was president. Yeah, that's why you had to have another tax increase in 1993 when Bill Clinton was president, because we created a bunch of deficits with that 86 Act. Part of the reason people uh, remember a, the 86 change fondly is it cut a lot of tax rates, but in truth, it cut them too much. Well, one of the things that has been thrown out there, and I get your opinion uh, as somebody that is involved in economics and tax, pol- tax policy, is the, the narrative of if you cut taxes significantly, that is a potential driver of growth. And, and that is obviously one of the things that the White House and President Trump have talked about, that to a degree, if you can get GDP growth of 3%, maybe a little bit higher, then that will offset any tax declines that you have. And, and I'd like to get your opinion on that, because seemingly it, there are a lot of people that say that, no, that's not how it would work. Uh, it is certainly the case that if taxes are too high, especially if business taxes are too high and other taxes, it has a chilling effect on the economy. Uh, and that um, that statement expressed that way is not, I don't think, controversial. Um, right. The issue is, you know, uh, say with the administration plan and again, filling in details, um, how much of a boost to the economy would some would a cut like that offer? Are we at the point where we have taxes that are too high, and so if you cut them, uh, you'd get a boost to the economy? And part of the controversy there is um, what would be the effect of the resulting deficits, right. you know, which might have a chilling effect on the economy. Right. Uh, so, you know, where I come down on that is uh, I think there's very very I think compelling reason to think business uh, corporate taxes and business taxes in general in the United States are too high, right. and that if you uh, reduce them, that would have a positive effect on business and therefore a positive effect on the economy. Again, kind of expressed that way, I don't even know that there's a lot of controversy about that claim. Right. The question is how much. Right. You know, as you say, like you know, if you can raise the um, here's the here's the alchemy. Here's the place where we start to. Uh, our minds don't handle the numbers very well. If you raise the rate of economic growth by a very small percentage, it doesn't sound like much. Right. But actually, it's a lot of dollars. Exactly, yes. And so when you say, you know, increase the rate of growth by 1%, okay, 1% of the U.S. economy is like... Massive. $1.7 trillion. Yeah. It's not like that comes easily. Uh, So... um, or, you know, or $170 billion, I mean. Uh, I was thinking 10%. But in any case, uh, it's, it's a very large number. And, um, and so uh, it's how much, you know, greater economic growth would you get? People are guessing. Right. I mean, that's what they're doing is they're guessing. Right. And it's tempting to guess on the high side because that's wishful thinking and it's um, – you know, and it makes your proposed tax cut look better. But of course, you have a very strong temptation to guess on the high side. Well, if if you're if, let's let's put you in the in the hot seat for for a second here. If you're looking at at what potentially is an optimum corporate tax rate, uh, a lot the assumption has been right now twenty percent. Do you think that's a fair number when you look at the economy of the U.S. and, and the potential uh, impact with other countries? And, and then the, my follow-up question is, 
how is it that some of these other countries like Ireland, you know, et cetera, are, are having these corporate business tax rates that are significantly lower than that? Yeah, I mean, even the United Kingdom, Great Britain, you know, is at 19 percent and they're going down. And right. They're going to go down from there. Right. Uh, and they have tax break and they offer their firms tax breaks that are more generous than the ones we offer ours, even in addition to the low tax rate of 19 percent. So, right. uh no, the United States, look, the United States is high. The Canada federal tax rate is 15%. Right. You know, they've got high provincial rates, but even when you add them in, it comes out to like 26, you know, which is quite a bit lower than the U.S., uh, especially if you add in states. So um, we're clearly way too high. Uh, now, what is the exact right number? Um, you know, if you if you think that... The United States should be well positioned within the G7 country, you know, the big, rich countries. Yes. Uh, you know, that will wind up giving you a tax rate kind of in the mid to high 20s. Okay. Uh, President Obama proposed 28%. Um, you know, uh, but he had his proposal for a 28% corporate tax rate also had some. Uh, you know, additional pieces to it that raised revenue in other ways from corporations. If you just kind of took our system as it is and lowered the rate to somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 or maybe a little bit higher, that strikes, that would be a, that would mean you were not um, wildly out of line with other big high-income countries. If you actually want to be competitive, if you actually want to make the U.S. attractive relative to other places, well, I mean, you're going to have to have a tax system that looks attractive relative to Canada and Britain and places like that, and you need significantly lower rates. Part of the difficulty of lower rates, obviously, is you get less revenue, and sure. you've got to make up that revenue some other way, uh, either by cutting spending or other taxes. I mean, uh, and so that's a big downside. Another downside is you worry that if the corporate rate is really low, then you have to make sure that you don't allow uh, individuals to somehow incorporate themselves and get themselves, you know, treated as corporations when, in fact, sure. most of what they're doing is, you know, it's personal income. We're joined by uh, James Hines, Jr. of the University of Michigan. Your comments are welcome. We're talking about the potential of a Republican tax reform plan. The way for you to join in with your comments or with your questions is either by phone at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you're not able to get to the phone, then you're more than welcome to send us a comment via Twitter, and we'll bring it up on the show that way, at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Switching over to the personal income tax side of things for a second, and I guess to a degree it's similar. If you're going to have tax cuts, uh, then you have to look to make up the revenues someplace else. And I, I guess that's a, that, that, like on the corporate side, that's the question of the day. Yeah. It's, look, there's no attractive way to raise tax revenue, I'm afraid. Yeah. You know, it's just – it's somebody has to bear a burden if you uh, raise tax revenue. And there's no easy way to do that. But the key ingredient, at least on the personal side, would be where those 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 uh, those sections fall, where the the 25 percent bracket is, where the 34 percent bracket is, you know, where those income levels start uh, and stop ends up being a, a factor in this. Correct. Absolutely. And, you know, presumably those would be chosen. Well, I mean, uh, I don't know how those would be chosen. Uh, they'd probably be chosen in part with the revenue numbers in mind, you know, so that you don't have the deficit balloon to be too big. But, um, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, there also there are some revenue raisers that the tax proposal includes, like getting rid of most of the itemized deductions, uh, right. other than the state and local tax and the mortgage interest. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, they would get rid of the state and local tax, uh, other than the mortgage interest and charitable contributions. We are joined by James Hines, Jr. at the University of Michigan. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. One of the interesting things about the the economy, especially in the last several years, is that as the economy has seemingly gotten better, we've seen gradually more spending by Americans in general. But we didn't really see that wave of spending that I think a lot of people assumed. And, And it just gives you the feeling that, there are people that are putting money in their pockets, putting money in various accounts, and, and they're just being cautious because of how significant the recession was a decade ago. That may very well be. I mean, you know, one thing to remember is we kind of talk out of both sides of our mouths about these problems in that on the one hand, of course, we want consumers to, you know, help stimulate the economy. On the other, we worry that Americans don't save enough. And, you know, too many people hit retirement with very little in the way of savings. And so uh, our concerns, I mean, you can't have it. It's hard to have it both ways uh, in that if you like the idea that people are being a little more prudent about saving, it does follow that they'll be less active consumers. 844-942-7866. If you'd like to join in, your comments are welcome. 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. What are the, in terms of, of what we think we know, and again, as you said, this is to a degree speculation, uh, but in terms of what we think we know, how much do the lower income brackets potentially benefit or not from the ideas that that we may very well see? Well, again, we are speculating because yeah. we don't know all the details. Um, the, uh, the framework that was released would double the standard deduction, and so that would benefit uh, people in, you know, in particular, the people who claim the standard deduction are the ones who stand to benefit. 70% of the taxpaying population currently claims the standard deduction. 30% itemizes their deductions. Right. And so uh, so if you double the standard deduction, that's a benefit. And that, you know, uh, now they were talking about raising the um, 10% rate to 12%, which obviously does not help people you right. know, in that bracket. Um, and for those who do itemize their deductions, which tends not to be low in, lower income people, you know, they're going to get rid of a lot of the itemized deductions. So it's a little bit hard to know how to add it all up. Um, you know, uh, it would also depend on where that 12% bracket is going to end. Yeah. And uh, again, there's a lot of absence of specificity about that. So then is it somewhat similar then on the opposite side of the spectrum when you're talking about the people who are paying the higher rates to begin with? There's obviously a lot of speculation out there about how much of a benefit they would gain from uh, at least the framework we know right now. Is it hard to even gauge that to a degree at this point? It is, because we would need to know more details about what they have in mind. I mean, you know... uh, to some degree, uh, the way the administration and uh, has handled the release of the framework 
is <laughs> to talk about you know the benefits to various groups and to the economy. And then when criticized, say, well, how can you criticize? You don't know the details. Right. But then you wonder, like, can you really have it both ways? Do you get to claim the benefits but, you know, def- deflect the criticism with not knowing the details? It's true. It's hard to criticize a plan when you actually don't know exactly what the plan is. Uh, on the other hand, if that's true, then maybe you shouldn't be allowed to, um, you know, claim too many benefits for it either. Yeah, so a, a one sheet bringing that out in front of the media didn't exactly do a whole lot for the for the whole process. Well, this particular, the latest document is, you know, they say nine pages long, although yeah. there's a lot of blank space on many of those pages. Right. So, uh, you know, it's, it's still, it's terribly skimpy, of course. And, and again, sometimes administrations come out with very detailed plans, and then Congress is going to change them anyway. So sure. I do understand uh, that, but this one's kind of unusually skimpy, partly reflecting how very hard it is to get compromise agreements on actual specific tax reform proposals. It's an intense amount of hard work to carve a reform proposal because, you know, you have to make sure that you're not doing dumb stuff, of course, and you have to make sure that different groups, you know, have their interests uh, represented. And by the time you're done, it's a big, long, complicated thing. Well, and as you alluded to a second ago, I I mean, we're talking about a Congress right now that has had a hard time uh, coming together on anything right now, whether it be Republican and Democrat or within the Republican Party itself. So, I I mean, whenever we see this, this tax plan come forth, and seemingly they talk about wanting to get this done before the end of the year, uh, it's still going to have a, a, a quite a battle in Congress. Oh, of course. I mean, look, the real issue is it's easier to propose tax cuts than it is to propose revenue raisers. Yeah. And, but of course, but of course, unless you're just going to balloon the deficit like crazy, uh, there have to be some revenue raisers if you're going to cut a bunch of other things. And so that's where the really that's where the hard work lies is. Um, trying to figure out what, if any, revenue raisers you're going to have in your thing. And that's where I, I, don't, I, I don't see anyway so far much progress. I mean, that's, it, it makes many observers skeptical that we will get anything this calendar year because, right. like, if the whole thing were just one massive tax cut, you took all the rates and you lowered them, well... Maybe you could get agreement on that. But there will be reasonable people in Congress who will say, hey, what about deficits? What about future? What's supposed to happen in the future? And that's a fair question. Well, f- for the consumers that are listening to us out there, if if they are working on this right now, is there a, kind of a drop dead date when you you just don't have enough time to implement it for you know, for the, the next tax year, you know, so that people, when they're filing coming up in a few months, that they won't be able to, to use this and it has to bump over to the following year? They, for, uh, they can make tax, redu- tax changes retroactive, especially right. if they are reductions. Nobody ever complains. Right. No, uh, absolutely not. Look, the odds that they actually pass a bill in 2017 and have it apply to anything in 2017 seem very, very low. Okay. Uh, you could have a bill that is enacted, say, in February of 2018, and they can make it apply, or, you know, apply retroactively to January 1st, and there's not usually a problem with that. Uh, but, but that assumes something will actually happen in February of 2018. You know, the way, in order to make progress, 
they're going to have to start um, getting a lot of hard compromises worked out. Yeah. And at least so far, it doesn't seem like much of that has been happening. How much, uh, in terms of working about the, the, the taxes in general, also, does NAFTA play in? Does health care play in? All of these pieces seemingly have, have a, they are intertwined to a degree. They are. Um, it may lend some desperation to members of Congress if they are not seen to be making much progress on any other front, and they've got a tax you know, option in front of them. Um, even people who might otherwise resist supporting it, you know, may be more inclined to do so. Again, speculation here. Uh, but I think they have kind of set it up in a way, you know, with the taxes as they did with health care, that failure to do something now will be interpreted as failure. Right. And um, so then the question is, then what do you do? Uh, it's still hard work. It's still people are not going to agree to some plan that um, looks to them like a bad plan and doesn't help their group and helps everybody else's groups. Going uh, back, going back to corporate for for a second, Jim. Uh, whatever that number ends up being, whether it be twenty percent, twenty two, twenty five, whatever the number ends up being, how much does that potentially help workers? Specifically, when you're talking about wages, because of the potential influx of uh, of new business coming into the United States, or you know, exports going out, uh, there is um, there's there's theory says, and there's plenty of evidence that says that uh, if you if you cut corporate taxes, it encourages business expansion, it encourages new businesses, it encourages investment by old businesses, right. And that raises worker productivity. And when you raise worker productivity, that raises wages. Right. Because wages are determined by the productivity of workers. That's why firms hire workers, is they can you know, produce value. So, um, so if you have a tax cut that stimulates business activity, then you should expect uh, workers' wages will rise. Or, and some will rise, and others won't fall. People, you know, some workers won't lose their jobs who otherwise would have, uh, all of which, you know, is to the benefit of workers. So the business tax cuts are not um, are not just for the benefit of business owners, but really for the benefit of kind of all the participants in the economy. And, and as you kind of alluded to, uh, if the U.S. does lower their tax rate, corporate tax rate at some point, and you mentioned the U.K. is probably going to be going lower, I, I, I would think that you would see... Other countries at least look at what their tax rate is. Some of them may already be lower and looking to lower it even further. Some may be in that ballpark and want to go lower just to be below the U.S. as as well. Potentially, what impact does that have of one country affecting five or six others on on the global spectrum? It's a great question, and um, we have some evidence on that that uh, there's some evidence that, you know, when— countries lower their rates, it puts downward pressure on other countries. Of course, the United States has proven remarkably resilient to that pressure over the last sure. uh, 30 years, Yeah, but because uh, other countries have all lowered their rates and we've held firm. Right. Uh, but, you know, you even have France now is lowering its corporate tax rate, and the Macron government has promised future reductions in it. Um, it's pretty much the rest of the world has gotten religion that... Um, high business taxes are not a great way to have a strong economy, but um, the United States 
basically either through inaction or through political disagreement or something, we just haven't changed what we've done. Jim, great having you with us again today. Thank you very much for your time. You're most welcome. Thank you. Uh, James Hines, Jr. from the University of Michigan, Sirius XM 111, Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.